As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me, we're going to be in two places today. Well, probably some more, but we're going to read from the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 10 uh, and hear God's heart uh, revealed to us in the law in the Old Testament. We're also going to turn to the very back of the Bible. We're going to be in 1 Peter uh, chapter 4. Uh, and today's the day we are bringing to conclusion, we are landing the plane, so to speak, on a sermon series called God's Family Values. This is actually, believe it or not, part 13. If you've missed any of the parts, they're, for, they're online for you. Uh, you can pick them up on podcast or whatever. Let me really encourage you, especially if you are a part of God's family, it's so important for us to know, what is it that God values and why? And if we, by God's amazing grace, now hang with me, by God's amazing grace and the work of his son, because of what Jesus did, the way he lived, uh, and the way he died for us and how he was resurrected, that we have got been lavished and loved upon, that God has brought us into his family. Uh, it's absolutely amazing grace that God would not only forgive us, uh, he not only loves us, he adopts us. He brings us as close as he can. He calls us his own beloved. And this is such good news. Even as we begin, I hope and prayer, pray that each one of you knows that good news. Knows the joy of being loved by God, forgiven by God, adopted by God. Wow, it's incredible good news. But now if that's you, if you could say, yeah, my sins are many, but God's grace is more and God's work in my life and I'm his. You are a part of the family. You're a part of God's family. And now you need to do what God's called us to do. And that's embrace not only him, but his values. What God values, we need to value. And amazingly, now you got to hear this. This is kind of amazing as we land this plane. Amazingly, our God values those outside the family. He values those outside the family. God genuinely cares for those outside the family. And he calls us to care too. Now church, we've really messed this up sometimes. Sometimes we feel like, okay, we're like the holy huddle and they're the bad things out there. You know, we focus on each other, love one another, but man... Look out for the world out there. But when we look through scripture, God continually tells us over and over and over again that he cares for what's called the sojourner. He cares for the foreigner. He cares for those that are outside the fold. And what God loves to do, I mean, what he just absolutely loves to do. Now, listen, what God loves to do, we got to love too. But what God loves to do is to bring those outside his family to be adopted into his family. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he walked this earth, and he talked about this, this is in Luke 15, he says, those who were lost, who have been found, those who have come into a relationship with God, Jesus will say, there's more joy in heaven uh, right now. There's a party going on in heaven for every lost soul that comes home and is adopted than 99 that are already his. And so we know this is a heart of God. We know that Jesus himself is going to say, man, there's like a heavenly party that goes on uh, when those who are outside the family are brought into the family, uh, when strangers become brothers and sisters. What we see of our God, we got it. We see it from Genesis to Revelation. Our God himself is a missionary God. Not only is our God himself a missionary God, he is a God who personally, personally seeks those outside his family to rescue them and to bring them into the family. 
Now, you read the Bible and your story of the Bible, and early on in the story, we are told that some great news. We're made in God's image. We're made to know and love him. But very, very early in the story, it just takes three chapters, we've rebelled against God. We've sinned. And what God has told us is if you sin, there's going to be a consequence. And that consequence is separation from God. Separation from God's family, from God's fellowship. I mean, we read the Bible, and man, by three chapters in, we're pushed out of God's presence. But from the moment, here, here's what you got to hear. From the moment sin entered the world, God was on mission. And God's mission was, as the ultimate missionary, to rescue lost sinners. Those outside the family, to bring them home. Any good father loves to bring his children home. Any good father knows the joy that those who are far away being brought in, man, is their joy in this. This is God's mission, our missionary God. And we see God as this ultimate missionary by sending his son, right? And this is his ultimate mission effort. He sends his son to rescue those outside the family. I mean, he gave his beloved eternal son an incredible task. Jesus, go seek and save the lost and don't lose any of them. All those that are ours, all those before time began that we set a unique love on, go get them. Go get them the way you live your life. Go get them on that incredible death on the cross. Go get them through the resurrection. Defeat sin, defeat death. Make it possible for sinners to be united to a holy God. Make it possible for those to be brought in. And we got to realize that's you if you're a Christian, and that's me. We are all of us at one time outside the family. We are born in the family. We aren't born and slapped on the backside and say, hey, welcome to God's family. No, Scripture will say that we're even conceived in sin, Psalm 51. Scripture will say that each one of us is broken and needs a Savior. Each one of us starts off alienated by, from God. As a matter of fact, Scripture is pretty harsh. It's pretty direct. It says, by nature, or in other words, on our own, watch this, we are children of wrath, Ephesians 2 says. And so something amazing has to transform. New life has to come. And that's all through Jesus' rescue. That's all where God has come through his son to seek and to save the lost. And we realize, man, that includes me. We all at one time, we were strangers to God. We were at one time strangers to God's family. And now because of Jesus, man, you know what we are? Church, hear this. Beloved son, beloved daughter. Yeah, our sins that are many, but his grace is more. And here, listen to this. We're not going to be defined by our sin. We are going to be defined by God's grace. We are going to be defined by God's blood and righteousness who robes us. And we are his and we are loved and we have been set free. What good news. So that all happens through being what Christ has done. Now, Jesus will say, now, here's what I've done. Here's my mission. But you and I should be on mission, too. God empowers us with the gospel. We're to join God's heart, the missionary heart, for seeking and saving the lost. What does Jesus do at the end of the gospel of Matthew? It's called the Great Commission. What's the last thing he says to his disciples? He's like, okay, you guys ready? You got a mission now. Your life is mine. Things are completely different. And I want you to go. I want you to go not serving yourself anymore. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. I want you to teach them in my name. I want you to baptize them in the triune name of the God. I want you to go and multiply. Go and seek and save the lost. Join God's heart for missions. 
for seeking those outside the family. Seeing Jesus bring those outside into the family should be one of the greatest joys of the church. Let me say that again. Seeing Jesus bring those outside the family into the family should be one of our greatest joys. Not only that, it should be one of our greatest prayers. Oh God, please, you know, help us. Bring, bring those who need to hear the good news of the gospel. I remember when I went into ministry and specifically when I became a lead pastor, I said to God, I said, I don't care where you send me. I don't care where I go. I just want to serve you. But I asked for one thing. Can we see people come to Christ? So can we see the lost found? Can we witness that reality? I got to tell you, I long to see more. Uh, usually I seem to attract sheep that already know Jesus. Uh, but I long to see uh, the world one. Strangers becoming brothers and sisters. As you read through scripture, what God tells us, if you're part of the family, this is important. We now are God's primary vehicle to bring others, strangers, into the family. How do we bring other strangers into the family? It's that word hospitality. You know what the hospitality means in Greek? It's so awesome. I'm talk a little bit more about this. Loving strangers. Hospitality. Philoxenia. Loving strangers. We must value hospitality because God values hospitality. We've been rescued by God's hospitality. We've been rescued by God's grace, his mercy, his hospitality to us. So what we're going to look at this morning is just three things. One, because of the gospel and what God has done, no longer living for the values of the world, but living for God's values. If you're Christ, everything should be changed, even the purpose of your life. Even the pursuit of your life, even what you're doing with your life, no longer living for what the values of this world say are values, but after God's values. Second thing, no longer running with those around us, but running after those around us. Big difference. We're going to see what scripture says about that. And then thirdly, creating space to, create, to reach those around us. I told you we're going to start in Deuteronomy and the law of Moses. Um, to God's people, we're going to read Deuteronomy 10, verses 12, 12 through 21, and then we're going to turn to the New Testament, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11. Let's be mindful, no matter if we're in the Old Testament or the New, Genesis or Revelation, anywhere in between, this is God's holy word. It'll never lead us astray. We can trust it um, in the original without error. So let's hear God's word. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now Israel, those called out, loved specially by God, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and no longer and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great and mighty and awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. Listen to this. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. And he loves the sojourner, 
giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall, you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Let's turn to 1 Peter, First uh, Peter chapter 4, 1 through 11. Peter writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. We respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh, the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving strangers. If you didn't love strangers, none of us would experience your love because that's who all of us are. God, thank you for being a missionary God. Thank you for sending your son to seek and to save the lost. And God, thank you for using your church to be a unique place, to be ambassadors of yours, to love our neighbor as ourselves in a way that they see the love of Christ, in a way that they see you. God, we pray that King's Chapel would be a church that is eager to practice hospitality without grumbling. That God, we would not only love those among us, we would love and strive to reach those around us. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and do that which only you can do, speak through a broken sinner like me. Give us ears to hear your voice and minds to understand your word. Oh, God, soften our hearts. What we read, circumcise our hearts so that we can embrace your truth. And God, would you give us feet empowered by your spirit to walk in a manner worthy of your name. And God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. Let those things just go, float away. But God, the things that are said that are true, that reflect your heart and your values, 
impress them upon us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Rosaria Butterfield, really interesting story. She was a tenured professor at Syracuse University in English. Uh, she was, he said her identity was one of a lesbian. And she would write to a local Syracuse newspaper, uh, kind of an, an op-ed column that blasted something called Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers was an organization at the time of, of men gathered together saying that we're going to love our wives. Uh, we are committed to God and his values. Uh, we want to be godly men. And so she uh, took aim at them and she would say that these kind of people and their politics of hatred against people like me. It really stirred one of the local pastors in Syracuse. And he, he wrote in response to Rosario. And not only did he write to her and respond to her in love, he invited her into his house. And she was saying, she says, I'm an English professor and I would tell my students that here, you can never give a critique of your enemies. You can't critique those around you unless you read their stuff, unless you've read them, unless you know who they are. And so she wanted to critique the enemy of Christianity. So she said, well, I gotta follow what I say. I better read the Bible. If I'm gonna come out so against it, I better make sure I know it. And let me help my research by going and having dinner with one of those lunatics who actually believes it. Let me, let me go have dinner with somebody who preaches it. And let me do some research. It says she drove her truck there and she sat for a long time in her truck wondering, should I go inside? Should I go inside? So eventually has the nerve and she knocks on the door and she's invited in to a pastor's home. A man named Ken Smith who opens up his home with his wife Flo. They open up their life. They open up their dining room table and they just dialogue and they dialogue in love and they showed hospitality. They showed hospitality to one who many people would say was so far on the other side of what he believed. One who seemed to be in the crosshairs of Christian values. And yet because of the love of Christ, because he knew that he had been rescued by God's grace, instead of attacking her, her op-ed uh, article, he went after her in love and invited her in. Jesus would use that kind of confrontation and love to show her his love. Through Ken as an ambassador, through Flo, his wife, she experienced for the first time the love of God in Christ Jesus. And what a radical conversion. I mean, she, she went to this amazing Christian who, who, who now is just absolutely convinced that we need to love one another in Christ Jesus. That, that dinner would change your life. She would actually do what the greatest thing that any woman could do, ask my wife, Katie, she married a pastor. <laughs> Having given her life to Jesus. She wrote a book, a very challenging book that if you wanna be convicted, if you wanna let the spirit work on you, if you wanna see someone who lives their life unashamedly for Jesus, she wrote a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And the gospel comes with a house key. And she says that we as Christians, and here's the phrase she uses, we are to experience radical, ordinary hospitality. Radical, ordinary hospitality. Our life is now on mission. We are now his. Our life is his for his glory and for the good of our neighbor. And the reality is because we are his, the life we now live, we live for his glory. And we open up our home. We open up our lives. We actually practice radical, ordinary hospitality. 
great story. I won't blow it. I wasn't going to tell you a lot of it, but she, she, she winds up moving to Durham with her husband. A guy moves in across the street that's a real recluse. Uh, she, great story. Read it. Uh, she befriends him, loves him, winds out, wind, turns out the guy was cooking meth in the house. And all the neighbors hated her for loving the one who was unlovable. But through that, the, the transformation of the community was amazing. Rosaria was no longer living according to the values of the world that she held dear at one time. She was living out God's family values. She showed extraordinary, radical, ordinary hospitality. Hit pause. Let me just confess. I cried like a baby reading the book. Convicted to the core that I don't see those around me because all I could see is me. No longer living the values of the world, but living for God's values. That's what we see when we come to Christ. So we looked at this passage in 1 Peter 4. If you have your Bibles, look back again there. 1 Peter 4, 1. It says this, since Christ suffered in the flesh. Here's the good news of the gospel. This missionary God would send his son, Jesus Christ, who would come and live the life we failed to live, die the death that we all deserve to die, be resurrected. Now stick with me. He suffered in the flesh. Here is the, the spotless Lamb of God, the only innocent one. Why would he suffer in the flesh? Well, Scripture would tell us 700 years before his birth that there would be a suffering servant would come and that through his wounds that we would be healed. And it's through the sufferings of Christ that we are forgiven and free. It changes everything. Jesus came to conquer sin. Jesus came to conquer death. And he was successful. And because of that, we could be adopted in. We could be made new. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are now children of God. And if that is who you are, God's word says, listen, your values have got to change. No longer hold on to the world's values. We have been brought into God's family. So what does it say in 1 Peter 4.1? So arm yourself with a Christian worldview. It says basically arm yourself with the same way of thinking. If you're a Christian, you should be arming yourself for a mission, for battle, and that kind of thinking to live for God's glory. you got to be seeing now the whole world through a lens of the gospel. Arm yourself, Christian, with a Christian worldview. Or as Peter would say, the same way of thinking. We must see ourselves. We must see the world through the lens of the gospel. We must see the world through God's family values. We must mourn when his family values are trampled. Uh, we must mourn when we trample those values. And we must long that his kingdom would come. Again, Rosaria Butterfield completely changed worldviews. Radically. From a radical, tenured professor to an amazing born-again Christian living to show hospitality for God's grace. And it says this, live the rest of your life, it says. I love that. If you're a believer, now, whatever God gives you, live the rest of your life, it says for this, for the will of God. No longer for yourself, you are on mission for him. For the will of God means that your life is to be lived. Now watch this, this is hard for Americans. Our lives are not to be lived for our own pleasure and comfort. Man, do I love my own pleasure and comfort. No one loves their own pleasure and comfort more than Jeff Jakes. But the reality is, he says, now, if you're mine, the rest of your life should be lived for the will of God. We should live our lives intentionally. We should live our lives missionally. We should live our lives purposefully. 
And listen, the world doesn't want you to do it. The enemy doesn't want you to do it. The world wants to fill your life with things that don't matter. Pablum. So you don't feel like your life matters. You don't feel like your life should be on mission. That you should just somehow float and drift through this life. He said, no, no, no. For the rest of your life, as long as you have, now live it for the will of God, for the glory of God, intentionally for me. The banner's behind me. For the glory of our great God, live your life. For the good of our neighbor, live your life. That's not just King's Chapel mantra. That should be all of our mantras as children of God. Live the rest of your life that way. Secondly, no longer running with those around us, but start running after those around us. I love it. It says, don't run with those around us. And it says this. It says, don't join them in the same flood of debauchery. The Greek there, it says, don't join them, is literally don't run with them. Don't run with that crowd. I mean, you've heard it. Don't run with them. What the world is doing, their parties, it's interesting, it lists three sexual things, a couple alcohol things. And what the world is doing, it says, don't run with them. Uh, don't run the same race as the world. Don't have the same agenda. Don't have the same goal. If you are his, God has called you and me to a completely different race. We are called to a completely different lifestyle. Don't run with those around us. But what does our world want us to do? Just conform. Come join the race. Come be with us. Not only does he say, don't run with those around us, he says, be a stranger to those around us. I love this. If you look back at 1 Peter, it says this, the world will be surprised, is the way it was translated here, by us not joining in the race that they are running. They're going to be surprised. And you know what the word surprise means? All right, Lauren and Daniel, you guys need to have this one because your last name strange it's and you're not we love you but that's what it means strange all right so here's listen listen to this greek dictionary of the word the world is going to be surprised by the way you're living your life it's this to cause a strong psychological reaction through introduction of something new or strange astonishing surprise here's what it's saying god's saying man be a stranger to those around you by the way you live your life, by what you pursue, by what you love, by what you value, by the way you live your life. May the world say, these people are crazy. They love this Jesus. They love this one. They love each other. They open up their homes. They open up their wallets. They care for the broken. They weep over the needy. These Christians are amazing. They're strange. They gather to worship even when it's not convenient. They give 10% of their income as a tithe. Are you kidding me? These Christians are strange. They seem to be living for something other than themselves. They're living for God and his glory. It should be strange. What we value, what we pursue, what we love should be really, really strange to the world. And I hate the fact that I think the church is just like it. They can't see much difference of what we love and what they love. They're not seeing much difference of what we pursue and what they pursue. May we be strangers. But there's a turn that the church can't miss as well. We got to be strangers who love the strangers among us. We're not strangers who throw stones at those around us. Listen, be a stranger who loves strangers around us. That Greek word, philo xenios, 
is basically a friend, a lover of strangers. That's what hospitality means. Isn't that beautiful? The word hospitality means be a friend of strangers. Because God is. Show hospitality to those around us. Care about them. Thirdly, creating space to reach those around us. And this is where God completely meddled in my life. <laughs> this is where God crossed some boundaries and made me see some things I didn't want to see. But the first thing is this. We must see those around us. It begins with seeing those around us. And remember, you will not see those you don't value. And many of us will look at a lifestyle that we don't value and we no longer value the person, the image. We can disagree with them politically. We no longer value them and their, their beliefs. Are our eyes truly blinded by those around us? Have we created any room to see our neighbor? I mean, really see them. I mean, not just see their lifestyle and not just see the way they vote or what placards they put in their front yard, not to see what they drive, but really see them. What is going on? And I, I know that in my life, when, when God was wrestling with me through this, preparing for this message, I needed to repent of the things I filled my life. I, I said, God, I got these scales on my eyes, and all I could see is me so much. I mean, I'm so consumed with my retirement. I'm so consumed with my comfort, my stuff. Do I really see my neighbor? I'm supposed to love my neighbor myself. How can I love my neighbor myself when I can't get over myself? Can we see him? We must know those around us. Remember, you can't know those you don't see. But no. I mean, who do you know? Now, listen, don't, don't answer this, but who do you know that's not a follower of Christ that you really know? I mean, no. I think you love them. I mean, you know them. I mean, you know, you know they're junk. You, you know, you, you, you can walk with them. And you know what? You, you, you don't embrace their lifestyle, but you embrace them. And you know them. And you're a safe place. And not that you're agreeing and doing with them. Remember, Jesus dined with sinners, but he didn't sin. I mean, that, that should convict the church. He dined with sinners. I mean, that, that's where he felt most comfortable. It wasn't the religious folks. He did not feel comfortable with the Pharisees. He felt comfortable with the harlots and the tax collectors and those who knew that they were a mess. And yet, without sin. We must know those around us. And you want to know why we don't know them? Because we label them. We label them, we categorize them, we judge them. And if we judge them and we categorize them, we label them, they're easy to dismiss. They're easy not to have around. I think the question that really God's spirit was pushing in my mind, do I have time for those around us? Do I have time? I'm a busy man. I'm starting a church. I'm preparing lessons. I got elders and deacons and they're knuckleheads. They're going all over the place, you know? I I'm the captain of the good ship crazy. It's called King's Chapel. I'm just kidding you. I love you. But, you know, I'm a busy man. Do I have time? Do I have time for those around us? Do I have time to really care and see my neighbor? Do I have time to hear their stuff? I'm hearing yours and mine. And I just hear this whisper of the Holy Spirit. It's like, how else do they know? How is it with you? Do you make time for those around us? It's a hassle. It'll cost you something. It'll be inconvenient. It'll take something away from you that's comfortable. But do you have time? We must love those around us. And again, 
You can't know those you don't see, and you can't love those you don't know. I mean, all of you will know the command, love your neighbors yourself. You'll all be able to recite that. But do we really? I mean, I, what, what, what does that mean, right? I mean, we want to love one another, but we can't love what we don't know. I love what Peter will say. He says, God has given you different gifts. We need to use the gifts that God has given us to show hospitality. Now, this is really important. Some of you, this means open up your home. Some of you, this means inviting others. Some of you, it's different gifts, the gifts God's given you. I'm telling you, chapter two of that book, I was like, this is, this is so impractical. This woman's crazy. This woman, every week she goes to the hospital and visits those in prison. Every week she gets up and she puts on extra food to have their neighbors come over. Every week, every day, she's gonna have these kind of things. That's not realistic to me, and it's not. And I think this bar she set is crazy good. But what has God gifted you? How has he gifted you? I mean, for some of you, if you open your home might be easy. For some, it might not be as easy. But how God has gifted you, use to love others. Right? How God has gifted you, use to love others. I love telling you this. You know what God wants you to be? This is so important. God wants you to be you in love with Jesus. You can do that, okay? He wants you to be you and the gifts and abilities he's given you and the reality of the brokenness and sinfulness that you have. He wants you to be you in love with Jesus. And watch him work. I mean, if you are you in love with Jesus, you're going to be the aroma of Christ. And if you're in love with Jesus, you're going to value the thing he does. And you're going to start walking in a way that the world's going to say, you're, you're nuts, you're crazy. But man, I'm drawn to it. Be you in love with Jesus. Use the gifts that God has given you. you don't be Rosaria Butterfield. You can't. She's a superstar. How has God gifted you? Invite somebody. Invite somebody. Let me tell them about Jesus. So let me ask you these things as we close. We are to love one another earnestly. Are we loving one another earnestly? We are to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. How is it when somebody is interrupting your schedule and somebody that is in a getting in taking away your convenience, your comfort. Are we grumbling about them? Are you kidding me? I don't have time for this. Do you know? It's very important. Do we show hospitality without grumbling? You know, my house, it's just not ready. I don't have enough room. I, I don't have enough. You see, this is priorities in our lives. And it should be a privilege. It should be a privilege. Listen to church. It should be a privilege to show the love of Christ to others, right? It should be a privilege to be an ambassador of his. And if it's a privilege, it should be a priority. Serving one another with the gifts that you have received. Why? It ends this way. I love it. In order, listen to this, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Why do we do this? For God's glory. For his dominion, his reign, his rule. Because our lives are his. He's purchased us with his blood. And now we live for him, for the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor. We need to show the love of Christ, hospitality to those around us. We need to create room for those around us. We need to be a church that's a church on mission. Individually, with the gifts God has given you, be you in love with Jesus. Corporately, a church that welcomes strangers, that notices them, that is preparing for them. A church that's praying for them. Are you 
Are you praying that God will send us those who don't know you? Please do. I mean, I'm telling you, let's watch the transformation. Can we start together praying that God would use us to bring the lost home? That we would pray to that end corporately? We're going to do things like a fall festival. It's a lot more than giving away candy and y'all dress up as clowns. <laughs> some of you guys are really good clowns. I'm not going to say who. There might be some of you who have great clown outfits. Why do we do it? To invite them in. Invite them to the story. Through partnerships like Commission 127. What's, what's Commission 127 about? Showing hospitality to those in need. The sharing center is going to be a, something we do. Showing hospitality to those in need. It's after God's heart. Partner. We were strangers to God, but he loved us. And he brought us into his family through Christ Jesus. Go and love the stranger. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, if you weren't a missionary God with a heart for those outside the family, we all would be toast. We all would be lost. But God, you, love, you demonstrated your own love for strangers, your own love for sinners, that you would send your only begotten Son, that whosoever would believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God, you've rescued us at great cost to you, at great inconvenience to you, Jesus. The eternal God who is put on flesh became a man and a servant, experienced hungerness, hunger and thirst and homelessness so that we could find a home with you, so that our thirst would be quenched with the gospel, that our hunger would be changed to a hunger and thirst for righteousness. The God, you've radically saved us to live a radically different life, to run a race different than the world. And God, I think we got to start with some repentance and just acknowledge the reality that for many of us, the race that we run doesn't look a lot different than the race that the world is running around us. But God, you've called us to run for you, to feel your pleasure, and to run after those who are lost. You've called us to open up our hearts our wallets, our lives, our calendars to those around us. You've called us to love those who are hard to love. You've called us to love when it's not convenient because we're yours and we're the church and we're to do what you do. For the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor, we pray. Amen.